listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. check out our official Apollo Media Twitter account at Apollo H-O-U. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and apologize in advance for any beeping or construction noises you might hear behind me. Uh, they are currently repairing a gas line right next to my house. So that's, uh, that's fun. If you don't know, I am one of your hosts, Taylor Pate. You can find me on Twitter at Taylor L. Pate. Um, and we've got a pretty interesting show today. Um, so some news came out yesterday about John Wall, uh, and the Rockets mutually agreeing to part ways. So we've got a lot to discuss there as, uh, you know, as far as potential lineups and stuff like that goes. Um, our second segment, we're going to be talking about, uh, who the next Rocket might be, um, to get moved. And, uh, the Rockets also, uh, have apparently agreed to a deal with Dante Exum, we're going to kind of break down um, how how that's a unique deal and, and what it might mean for some of the fringe roster spots and guys trying to make this team. And in the last segment, we are going to talk, talk about um, Steve Francis, uh, kind of a, an auspicious uh, uh, post on social media that may hint towards him joining the broadcast team. And we're going to look at, uh, you know, kind of the the past broadcasts and and honor Bill Worrell, Matt Bullard a little bit. Um, you know, Bill, Bill retired at the end of last season, and um, we'll take a look back at his career with the Rockets a little bit. So, yeah, like I said, John Wall uh, and the Rockets mutually agreeing to part ways. Um, it looks like Wall is going to kind of provide the mentor role, um, you know, during training camp and, and as long as he's with the team, um, which I think is really invaluable for, for these young guys, like especially Kevin Porter Jr., um, he needs as much direction as he can possibly get, and he's kind of, you know, getting um, the the Gilbert Arenas treatment. You know, I think Don and Prodigy have have talked about that. Edamar as well. Um, you know, he he's kind of giving John Wall is kind of giving Kevin Porter Jr. the treatment that he got from Gilbert Arenas, where you know he's saying, here, here's the keys. You take over. This is your you you know this is your car now. Um, and I think that's really invaluable for a guy like Kevin Porter Jr. who who is still becoming a playmaker, still kind of um, accepting that role and embracing that role, coming from playing the the you know the small forward position, the shooting guard position, and now all the way down to the point guard position. Um, and I think overall it will help the rest of the roster too. Um, you know, the the better that Kevin Porter Jr. is able to adjust to this role, the better that the team will perform overall. So what this kind of does is give. Um, us a better picture of the starting lineup, right? So now there's not this logjam at the point guard position where you're going to be playing Jalen Green out of position and, and Kevin Porter Jr. transitioning back to shooting guard. <clears throat> Instead, what we're going to get is we're going to have Kevin Porter Jr. as your point guard, Jalen Green as your uh, shooting guard. You've got um, Jay Sean Tate at the three spot. Daniel Tice, Christian Wood as your four and five, probably interchangeably. Um, and this, it's just a lot clearer picture 
uh, going forward, and it, and it kind of removes some of the the uh, hindrance on Jalen Green's growth. You know, playing him at at the the small forward position at his size is probably not a great idea, especially long term um, for for the entirety of the season. Um, so this really allows him to kind of step into that role uh, as the shooting guard. He's not going to have to guard out of position, um, and and it really kind of just allows the team to move forward with this rebuild process, get into the growth period for, um, you know, the chemistry and the the um, the ambiance of this new team, right? So we're kind of starting to put the, put the past behind us entirely now. Um, as far as the, you know, the teams of yesteryear with, with James Harden and now John Wall taking over from, yeah, from a veteran's perspective, now... I mean, for the most part, it is, you know, entirely young guys uh, or at the very least um, guys who are not going to be taking a ton of shots like Daniel Tice. Um, I think that's really invaluable for for the continued success and the continued growth um, of these young guys. You know, Jalen Green is projected to be the rookie of the year by ESPN. Um, I think Kevin Porter Jr. has the third best, uh, most improved player odds according to ESPN. Um, and, you know, if John Wall's in there, you know, controlling the offense and, and taking shots, you know, 18, 20 shots a game, that's just, that's not going to help those guys grow. Um, and now we get to really see Steven Silas's chops with, um, you know, orchestrating an offense and, and executing it with, with these young guys. Um, he gets to completely, you know, tailor this to himself and, and how he wants to run things. It also gives a little bit more freedom for the bench units as well. Um, now you're not going to have this insane, you know, log jam of needing to play like five or six guards, um, you know, all throughout a game. Instead, you've kind of got some, some more clear rotations now. And, you know, the bench unit will now have room for additional minutes for Josh Christopher. Maybe you don't have to send him down to Rio Grande. Um, you know, you can, uh, you have a better, you know, for power forward center rotation. Maybe Alperin Sengun can get more minutes off the bench and be kind of like the, the primary, uh, playmaker and focal point of the offense. Um, you know, you get some extra minutes for Armani Brooks, if, you know, assuming he is with the team, uh, at that time, uh, Eric Gordon is still taking up some minutes, but I don't think he's, Eric Gordon's not exactly, um, Eric Gordon is not exactly the shot chucker, so to speak, that John Wall is. Uh, I think Eric Gordon is very much more capable of just playing within the offense uh, than John is because John needs the ball in his hand, right? Um, Eric can can you know play off ball and, and catch and shoot and stuff like that, and um, I think you'll see a lot of Josh Christopher and Alper and Shingun um, with the ball in their hands and kind of. Uh, blowing the offense through those two guys. The next kind of interesting part about everything is uh, where John Wall ends up, right? Um, you know, Shams basically said that a buyout's not on the table right now, which, you know, from the Rockets' perspective makes sense. They're not going to outright say that that's a possibility if they're trying to extract value from from John Wall. Um, <clears throat> you know, he's got two years and, and $91.5 million left on his contract. That's not going to be an easy contract to trade. But 
in the event that they are able to, you know, they, they get back like expirings. They don't have to, you know, pay all of John Wall's buyout and, and it just benefits them a lot to be able to, um, to, to trade his contract. So they're not going to outright say that a buyout's off the, uh, the, a buyout's on the table. They'd rather, you know, get that out of the way and, and say like, look, we're, you know, uh, we're not buying him out and, and he'll sit if he has to, not a big deal. Um, so some places that he could end up um, reportedly, now take this with a grain of salt, this is coming from a source that is not necessarily, um, you know, the most trusted or anything like that, but uh, the Clippers, the Heat, the Pistons are the teams that the Rockets have spoken to thus far, and the Mavericks are said to be interested in John Wall if he hits the buyout market. Um, one potential deal... Uh, would include, you know, from the Clippers, Luke Kennard, Serge Ibaka, Goran Dragic, uh, or sorry, this is a three-team deal, actually. This is from uh, Rob K. Sports on Twitter, Rob Kimball. Um, so the Rockets would get uh, Luke Kennard, Serge Ibaka, and Goran Dragic, uh, as well as a Raptors second. The Raptors would get Eric Bledsoe, uh, and then uh, the Clippers would get John Wall. So the Rockets could then buy out uh, Goran Dragic, and he could go to Dallas like he wants to um, because it's been reported that Dragic is not interested in uh, playing in Toronto, you know, with them kind of in the sim- same slash similar position as the Rockets, uh, young guys and, and, you know, shipping out their old guys. Um, they want to get as many minutes as they can for their, their young young core. Um, from the Rockets' perspective, you know, Luke Kennard just signed a four-year, $64 million deal. That's not great. Um, but at the same time, it's a lot more tradable than, um, than, than John Wall's current deal, I would think. Um, Serge and Goran, you, like I said, you can buy those guys out. That's not a huge deal. Um, you know, Serge can uh, go through his rehab and, and you know, then sign with whatever team he wants, and you know, maybe, maybe he also joins the Nets. Um, so that's one, one big option. I don't see any way the Heat or the Pistons um, make a trade for John Wall. It just, I mean, the Heat just just signed uh, or traded for Kyle Lowry. Um, and, and the Pistons, I don't even know how the money would work there. Uh, and it just doesn't make sense overall uh, from their perspective. You know, they're also in a position similar to the Rockets. You know, they just drafted Cade Cunningham, and, and bringing John Wall in just doesn't make sense, you know, when you have... Um, potential superstar ready to go with Cade Cunningham. Um, so there is a lot of difficulty for the Rockets here. This is not going to be an easy feat for Rafael Stone to uh, to, to conquer. Um, but the good news is John Wall will not be impacting uh, any of the minutes on, on the court anymore. Um, so this is kind of, you know, best case scenario. At this point, I don't really care if they trade John Wall. I don't really care if they buy him out. I don't care if he stays on the team for for the duration of his contract. Really, the only person that does care is Tillman Fertitta because he's the one paying him. Um, so, you know, for me, this is best case scenario. The young guys get the minutes. John Wall sitting. He's mentoring. He's doing his thing. Um, you know, and the Rockets are kind of doing this PR thing where they want to, you know, make sure all the players understand that they are trying to do right by them and they're not you know, Daryl Morey's team where they're, you know, players are assets and not people. Um, 
And it's actually really cool to see. I think Rafael Stone is making a really good name for himself around the league. And that's something that's really important for a young GM who's trying to like, you know, get out there and really make his name um, as a GM in this league. That is going to do it for this segment. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk about, um, you know, who the next Rocket veteran might be to be moved. Uh, we're going to discuss uh, Dante Exum's um, new creative contract. So stay tuned. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston. All original. And on to our second segment of the Launchpad Podcast. If you enjoy the show, please make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure you leave us a review. We definitely like to hear... Uh, you know, what you guys think and, and if you're enjoying the show. So uh, without further ado, we're going to get into um, the discussion of the next rocket to be moved, the next rocket veteran to be moved. And, and I think we could see, I guess the obvious name here is is Eric Gordon. Um, and I think that we could see, you know, the Rockets kind of continue this PR train and, and ask Eric Gordon, hey, like, you know, where do you want to go? Um, what do you want to do? And... You know, that that contract for Eric Gordon is a lot easier to move than something like uh, John Walls. Um, and there's still, you know, in my opinion, a lot left in the tank for Eric Gordon on a contender. Um, there are uh, a few contending teams, especially in the West, that I think could make the trade for Eric Gordon and kind of be vaulted into that, um, that kind of next, uh, next tier but I think the most likely scenario for Eric Gordon is is that he, if he is traded, it will be at the trade deadline and and not prior to the season. Obviously, we've only got um, you know a handful of weeks before the the regular season actually starts, and and really only two weeks until media day and um, training camp and and then preseason. I mean, the the next NBA season is coming really quickly, um, so. You know, I think the most likely scenario, if Eric Gordon says, comes out and says, hey, look, I'd like to be moved to a contending team, I think that likely happens at the deadline and not um, and not uh, preseason or, or really even early season. Um, some, of these, some of these teams have undergone some changes and uh, really probably need to see how they work out before they kind of make that next big move. Um, but I certainly think that Eric Gordon is at the top of the list for most likely veteran uh, to be moved next. Um, and I guess an, a guy that technically falls into that category, um, it doesn't, he doesn't really feel like a veteran because he's, he's been injured uh, quite often, but the Rockets agreed to a contract with um, Dante Exum. And apparently this is a very uh, heavily incentive based contract, kind of like the Nene contract uh, that got, um, rescinded by the league. Um, so reportedly it's a three year, $15 million deal. Um, but apparently at least half of that is, uh, likely incentives or likely bonuses, um, for, for Exum. Um, so the Rockets currently have 21, uh, players on the roster and they can only take 20 to training camp. So this likely means that, um, that's, that something is happening. Something is brewing, um, and maybe that's just as simple as like, 
um, like you know somebody getting cut like uh, like Daishin Nix or um, you know something like that a fringe roster spot um, but something that a lot of people have brought up is you know Tillman is doing the human uh, traded player exception thing where you know they can use Axum's contract to bring back um, you know additional salary in in a trade um, and that is I mean that's really possible that's that's genuinely possible um, and I know a lot of people didn't think that uh, that um, Tillman Fertitta would pay up and, and kind of you know take that extra money out of his pocket in order to do that but um, it looks like he is and I don't know as far as an actual you know player prospect um, Exum played really well in the Olympics and he does seem to be healthy now um, but again his his history is a guy who's who's been often injured right um, as far as on the court play he is um, he's a good defender uh, he's a decent ball handler um, and and he's not you know he's not otherworldly by any means in any category but he's a a solid backup player um, you know for for several teams in this league he's a, he's kind of a plug and play dude um, and I think as far as the Rockets go he's probably not a part of the long-term plans but he's on a he's going to be on a very tradable contract um, and and again you know human traded player exception he could be just salary fodder for another team and you know who knows maybe that other team is like a dude or a team who needs a dude like Dante Exum, right? And then he actually becomes valuable to them, um, and and he's on a super cheap contract, um, so that you know that's kind of a good deal for both sides. Um, you know, Exum, if these bonuses are likely, then he's got a pretty decent payday for the next three years, and um, you know he's he's guaranteed to be in the league for that. Maybe not guaranteed. I guess the contract is technically non-guaranteed, but you know what I mean. Um, if if he plays well, then he's you know on a um, on a very friendly contract for any team. I guess the next thing that I want to talk about is um, getting a, a guaranteed contract for Armani Brooks. Um, I think should be kind of a priority for the Rockets. They currently are are sort of lacking shooting. Um, you know, we saw in the summer league that Jalen Green was like terrific from three. He shot like 50, 50, 90 from the field overall. Um, but I think, you know, we need to temper our expectations there because um, shooting was one of the things that I think a lot of people uh, expected to be a little bit more of a, like, like something that would come a little bit later for Jalen Green. Um, I don't, Obviously, I don't think that he's going to shoot fifty percent from three, but you know, even even in the the forties range, like the low forties or or high um, high thirties, I think would be a good spot for Jalen Green. But like that's going to be really difficult to do in his rookie season, um, and so I think the Rockets kind of have this lack of shooting from uh, from the the guard position. Um, we're still waiting to see if if Kevin Porter Jr.'s shooting is uh, is going to take the leap that we hope. And, and you know, Armani Brooks is the dude who has proved that he can shoot it. I mean, lights out. Like, lights out, even at the NBA level. Um, and, he you know, we saw he got limited playing time in the summer league, but what we saw was, um, you know, really strong, especially in that last game. 
Um, so Armani Brooks is kind of a, a really important piece, and I really think that he should uh, he should get the you know the guaranteed contract from the Rockets and kind of sure up that uh, backup shooting guard position. And and I, I look, I understand Eric Gordon is going to probably need minutes, but um, you know the Rockets' priorities have to be like these younger guys. You know, Brooks is twenty three, um, kind of fits into the Lou Williams vein uh, as far as like size and, and stature and stuff like that. Um, and the dude can shoot lights out. Um, they need to see like if this is legit. And, and I think, um, you know, giving him a, a guaranteed contract, you know, prevents him from, from signing with one of these other teams who need some of these cheaper fringe players um, like our money Brooks. And I think that, um, just giving him the the surety and the confidence and the you know the go ahead, you could be locking him up you know long term potentially, and there's really no downside to having more shooters. Like you can never have too much shooting in the NBA. Um, so that's just you know kind of my thoughts on on um, how the the end of the roster should start shaping out. Um, you know I, I'd like to see Brooks even over like some of the other fringe players. I, I'm, I'm really high on Armani Brooks's potential to become like a, a lethal, you know, like dead eye three point shooter from off the bench. Um, a guy that can just like, like give you buckets, you know what I mean? That is going to do it for this segment. Um, we're going to talk about Steve Francis and, uh, and kind of go over the broadcast teams of the past and, uh, and, you know, See what we might be looking forward to next season. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. And it is the last segment for today's show on the Apollo Launchpad podcast presented to you again by Apollo Media. Uh, make sure you check out our YouTube channel. I actually wanted to plug this real fast because there is some really exciting content coming up on our YouTube channel. Um, that is at Apollo Media on YouTube. There's some really cool stuff coming up there. Uh, and then you can also go back and check out the Apollo crew at the Rockets Draft uh, Watch Party uh, over at Carbach Brewery. Uh, that was a ton of fun. And you can kind of get some behind-the-scenes stuff from us there. Um, so in this last segment, I wanted to talk about uh, Steve Francis kind of giving some some hints. He dropped a picture of him outside of uh, Toyota Center, and he's in a suit, and the caption reads, comes a time where your preparation is key, just be ready. Um, a, a lot of people seem to be equating this to uh to the broadcast team uh, as a potential like fit for the broadcast team um you know that's certainly an interesting uh, option we kind of have all been um a little bit left in wonder after matt bullard was not brought back to the team itself but then uh joined the front office um which i think for him is you know kind of like the perfect direction for where he wanted to go um and you know, we've seen over the last handful of years, the Rockets have had um, Clyde Drexler for quite a while uh, doing color commentary. Um, and then 
last season we saw uh, Mario Ellie filling in for Calvin, um, you know, kind of at the desk with Kaylee. Um, so that's certainly interesting. Uh, I, I think it's it's definitely uh, kind of a point of, of interest for Rockets fans, right? We don't know who's who's going to be uh, next to, to Craig Ackerman calling the games right now. Um, and maybe it's sort of this like rotating, um, you know, seat where, uh, where we have Mario Ellie, we have possibly Calvin, um, or, you know, maybe, uh, now Steve Francis comes in and, and is, is next to Craig doing color commentary. Um, I think, you know, Matt Bullard is a very big set of shoes to fill, not only literally, but, uh, commentatively uh, as well because Matt is Matt was very um it's very clear that Matt is incredibly educated on the modern NBA uh and and knows you know kind of how to explain things to uh people who might not be uh, quite so savvy with the NBA or certain uh certain advanced statistics or analytic um you know nature sort of things um, Matt was always very ahead of, uh, kind of where a lot of teams are. You see, you see teams like, um, San Antonio, um, and Boston just kind of have this older style, um, you know, commentary and, and stuff like that. It just seems very dated in my opinion. And Matt Bullard was very ahead of, of that sort of thing. Even, even back, you know, nearly a decade ago, um, Matt was kind of on the forefront of of talking about analytics and bringing um, kind of the modern NBA uh, into the scope of the the general viewer, right? And I think when you have when you have these maybe older broadcast um, teams sort of almost almost trashing the modern NBA, I think it's really bad for the product. And so I'm really I'm really curious to see. Um, what what direction the Rockets end up going in this uh, in this upcoming season? Because you know I'm not gonna lie, it was really tough for me to to kind of come to grips with losing Matt Bullard. Um, and, you know not only not only him but but Bill Worrell. Um, you know Bill is is obviously <laughs> he's older and he, he's he's now retired. But he's been doing this for a long time, and and Bill, you know what he what he lacked in, I guess, um, statistical or analytical NBA knowledge, he made up for with charisma and and deference to to Matt Bullard. Um, he allowed Matt to kind of like take reins with with um, with explaining you know concepts and stuff like that. But Bill was always um, very very supportive of the modern NBA. Um, and, and he was, you know, just a guy who, um, kept this kind of like really chipper attitude and kept you entertained the entire time you were watching. Um, and I, I worry that, um, moving forward, you know, Craig Ackerman is going to have to carry if, if the Rockets are bringing in people who are new to the, um, to the broadcasting world, that Craig is going to have to carry uh, a lot of the load, as far as um, you know, charisma and and stuff like that goes, and Craig is fantastic. I absolutely think Craig Ackerman is um, 
going to be, if not already, one of the top uh, you know broadcasters uh, in the league. But it's a lot to ask uh, of of you know somebody who's just taking this this full time uh, as far as the TV side goes um, to kind of that that like that full on level. Um, so so there's there's a little bit of worry on my part. Um, you know, if the Rockets are bringing in Steve Francis, who to my knowledge has not done any broadcasting previously. Um, or Mario Ellie, you know, we kind of saw Mario maybe struggle a little bit at times with what to say uh, at the desk with Kaylee. You know, Calvin is Calvin is Calvin, and he will, um, you know, if if he's next to Craig, then I think there will be plenty to talk about and plenty to go around. Um, but Calvin also has a very like nuanced vision of the NBA as well, um, and, and you know, I, I, I'm very curious. I'm very curious, to say the least, um, to see what happens with with the broadcast team. I wanted to briefly just pay a little bit of homage to Bill Worrell because he was the voice of the Rockets for me growing up and, and for many of you as well. Um, you know, he, he joined the Rockets in 1980. Um, Bill is a native Houstonian, and um, he, he went – uh, to Lamar High School, University of Houston. I mean, H- Bill Worrell is Houston, you know. Um, and for me, um, you know, growing up watching the Rockets games, his voice was just the quintessential, like, like drive, right? Like, he was the thing that just, like, pulled you in and kept you entertained. Um, just such an incredible person and, and, and really just a great play-by-play announcer. It's pretty funny. Bill did a... Uh an interview back in 2015 um, at the the University of Houston Awards Gala. And he uh, he said that when he started, he was about the same age as the players, right? So it was cool, and he was having fun and all this kind of stuff. And, and he said then kind of got into the late 80s and the 90s, and uh, it was like he was doing uh, Rockets games for his kids. And, um, and then he said, and I started, I started getting to this point where, where I was doing Rockets games for people born in the 90s, and it was like I was doing games for my grandkids. And he said, well, if it gets anywhere past that, I think I might have to hang it up. And, um, and that, is, that is exactly what Bill did. And he gave us, you know, 40 years of, of incredible play-by-play um, and, you know, was, like I said, just the quintessential voice of the Rockets growing up for me and for so many others. Um, so I wanted to give a big... Thank you and shout out to Bill Worrell um, and Matt Bullard, Clyde Drexler, Calvin Murphy, all of those guys who who carried the Rockets broadcast team. Um, you know they made they made Rockets basketball special for for all of us, and um, really you know we can't thank them enough. But that is going to do it for this episode of the Launchpad Podcast. Uh, again. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere else that has podcasts. Uh, check out our blog at ApolloHOU.com. You can find all of our merchandise uh, at ApolloHOU.store, S-T-O-R-E. Uh, we've got some pretty cool uh, pretty cool Rockets gear kicking off uh, for um, the start of training camp and the start of the next season. Um, some stuff, you know, surrounding the new, uh, the new uh, Rockets players, the rookies, and um, you know, we've got a lot of exciting, exciting content coming up for, 
for this NBA season. Um, again, follow our Twitter account at Apollo HOU. Follow this pod's uh, Twitter account at Apollo Launchpad. Um, I'm your host, Taylor Pate. We will see you on the next one. Thanks for listening.